Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. When he's on the scene, he always noticed one thing he's not bounced, so all you sucker ducks cling. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am for Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it isn't going to get so much less weak. We're going to talk about gonna talk about a bunch of stuff. Moon rats, the moon rat invasion. We're going to call Iceberg on the phone. We're going to talk about Kingsman. We're going to talk about Star Trek. It's going to be great. And uh, I don't even know why I'm still working on this intro part. Why don't I just get started and get moving on into the shoe? Report to hell with your parade day rain. We're a tsunami of sunshine coming your way. Yep, that is that is what we are. We are a tsunami of sunshine coming your way. The the good old Toys R Us report here to lighten up and brighten up your week. It is me. I see robots, aka uh, Hacksaw Jim Buggin, aka Grandmaster Reverse Flash, aka the 40 ounce goat, aka the DB Cooper of the podcast game, and check this out. So I'm up on the moon base last week, and the place, the place is just getting overrun with moon rats. You heard what happened the week before the previous episode when I had to pull out my blaster and blast away at one. Well. That wasn't the only one. They were, they were everywhere. They were coming out of the walls. They were coming through the ceiling. They were, they were threatening the integrity of the life support of the ship. I guess, I guess moon rats don't need oxygen because I even see them like outside the window. They're disgusting. They are like a foot long, maybe longer, and they're tall. They're gross. They make me want to throw up. They're full of goo. They... They glow in the dark, and they are just everywhere. It got so bad that it got so bad that they actually sent me home. I am presently at at the Earth Base, Earth Base One, in good old Santa Rosa, California. And check this out: like they were worried about my safety up there on the moon base. And what happened? I'm out. I'm walking around. I'm walking the dog. I'm walking about, and I stepped on. I stepped on like a cylinder of wood. Like, it looked like a segment of a broom handle. It was in the in the sidewalk, and I didn't see it when I was walking, and I stepped on it, and I kind of did the splits like I was, uh, like I was James Brown, but imagine like an 85-year-old James Brown, not the, not the good one that did the good splits. It was, it was heinous, and my right foot got bent all weirded out, and then the next day, it like, it swole up like a balloon. It was gross. It was mushy it looked like a it looked like a overripe plum a giant overripe plum it was a vile and it hurt i couldn't even i couldn't even put it on the ground i was i was bedridden for like 3 days straight i can now i could now fully walk around and get out and about well 
I haven't, I haven't left the house in like days. I've been laying here trying to stay off it. There was like one day when I thought I was, I thought I was fine. And this is what happens when you get laid up. And this is why you end up getting laid up much, much longer than you should be. I, I got up and I'm like, I'm fine. I can limp around. And I was, I was limping around the house like, I'm like giant swollen plum foot. And I'm doing, I'm doing chores. I'm washing dishes. I'm sweeping. I'm just doing laundry. I'm doing this inane stuff that can definitely wait. And then the next day, Plumfoot was right back to, right back to where it was. So I went and I like made myself laid up in a couple additional days. It's terrible. If you get hurt, if you get hurt, heed my advice. Just lay up as the best you can. If you get sick, just lay up the best you can because that is the way you will get better quicker. Sure, it's cool, you know sell, and you go out there and you do your normal things, but the end result of that is you wind up sicker far more than if you just sacrificed a day or a couple days and just stayed immobile. I say this now, but I know that the next time I get, uh, I get wounded, I'm going to do the exact same thing. This was actually, like, one of the worst woundings of my life. I have, I've had, like, some knee injuries. I broke my arm when I was a kid. Things like that. I've been sick. But this, this being unable to walk, like, I couldn't put the foot on the ground and I couldn't walk. Not being able to get up and about was just the worst. Like, any time I needed something to eat. Because I'm... You know, I'm home alone, the, everybody's off doing whatever they're doing, and I'm home alone, like, if I needed something to eat, I'm hungry. It was an incredible adventure to, like, drag myself through the house to get something to eat, and then, God forbid, I had to use the restroom. It was a trek, like, uh, Shackleford's quest to make it to the, make it to the latrine. It was the worst, and I am, I'm better now, but it has, you know, limited my life, man. Just, when you're healthy, don't take it for granted. Enjoy it, because when you're laid up, you want nothing more than to just be healthy again, and there's some kind of a lesson to be learned in there. At, at any rate, let's, uh, let's see. I've been wondering what's been going on up at the, uh, the moon base. I, I left, and there were moon rats everywhere, like, Emily and Iceberg were just blasting away at them. Some of the miners from that colony on the other side were over there helping to, like, fortify the walls. Because the moon rats were, like, tearing holes in the walls. That's why they had to send me away because the the life support was, like, gonna go. And they couldn't, they couldn't risk having me sucked up into space, you know. I guess I could have gone to the mining colony, but they offered me the chance to jump on a shuttle and escape. And I gladly did. I feel bad for leaving the guys behind, but, you know. They're robots. They're not. They're not as uh, vulnerable to moon rat bites as as I am. But let's uh, let's try to get Iceberg on the phone. I have a I have a direct line to the Jupiter moon base. I just gotta dial it here. I'm gonna see if I can get him on the line. I hope hope there's no hard feelings. You know, let's uh, dial the dun, dun, dial the numbers. To use your crazy calls, simply place the speaker of your cassette Ugh. player or sounds stereo like, one foot from like your I answering the, machine uh, microphone. Like I got the machine. He, sometimes he's there just screaming. Hey, I'm sorry that I'm not at home. But when I get the message on my telephone, I'll be the first one on my list. As soon as I get home, but now I must insist. Your name and number now, and a message too. And I promise you that I will soon be back to you. Iceberg, Iceberg, it's me. It's Icy Robots. Pick up, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, I, pick up the phone. I know, I know you're there. Pick up the phone. Okay, fine, I am here. 
We are a bit busy now. Why are you calling? Dude, I'm just calling to see what's going on. You know, I wish I was up there with you guys. What's what's going on? There are rats everywhere. I have myself killed at least 78 of them with my internal photon beam. Wait, hold on. You have an internal photon beam? What about when the pirates were there and you were like, I don't have a weapon? Or what about the time we had to go and, like, save Emily from the Corinthian army and you're like, I'm unarmed? What the heck? You've had, like, an internal weapon on you the entire time? That's... That's cold, man. Why didn't you tell me? It is best not to reveal your hand. You never know who you might have to blast someday. Hold the line. There is a moon rat right here looking at me. It is so ugly. All flesh is ugly, but this is way worse to me. Commence firing. Why do they explode like that? It makes no sense and why do they like split all over everything? These are easily the most gross things ever. Dude, you're asking me, I don't even know. The the exact same thing happened to me the other week, remember? I was like doing the show and I had to like blap 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 give out the blapper and like take care of one of these dudes. I have no idea why they blow up like that. It is so it is so gross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not there to help, but I don't know, man. They they didn't want me to get sucked out into the uh, cold vacuum of space, I guess. That begs the question of why they hired you in the first place if you could not survive in space. That seems inefficient to me. Maybe I should bring that up to the Commodore the next time I see him. It's probably a union thing, dude. I don't know. They probably gotta have, like, at least so many flesh bags up there at... At any given time, and like, when is the next time you're gonna see the Commodore, dude? Have you ever even seen the Commodore, like, like in real life? I mean, I, I haven't. Have you ever? You, you have not. I could see him if I wanted to. I just have not felt like it. Look, I have to go unless you have something important to say. There are still roughly 1,000 moon rats that need blapping. Dude, that's a lot. No... I don't know, I guess I don't have anything important to say. I just, I just called to, uh, just, you know. Hello? Iceberg? Hello? Iceberg? I think he hung up. I think dude just straight hung up on me. That, that makes for good radio, I guess at least. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper... But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Say goodbye to the Kingsman. Suggest we get ready. Welcome to Statesman. With your American cousins, all our resources are yours. Spectacular day. What's this? Hand grenades. It's very American. We've made a few modifications. So, we went to see Kingsman 2 on a Monday. On our favorite day of the week to see a movie, we were... We were the only people in the giant theater, which is... 
which is a lot of fun. I love that feeling. We're just sitting there having a good time watching the movie. I was, I was a huge fan of Kingsman 1, the first Kingsman. It was, it came as a surprise. Nobody knew that the movie was going to be as good as it was. And with all that, I was like super duper looking forward to Kingsman 2 the Golden Circle. And then I started hearing reviews and people were like, it's not that good. It's not as good as the first one. It's not that great. It's actually, it's actually quite terrible. And that started to give me trepidations. But I mean, I'm going to go anyway. I want to check it out. I want to make up my own mind. And I'm glad that I did. I overall thought that it was a pretty, pretty fun movie. It was not as fun as the first Kingman, Kingsman, rather, but I think that a lot of the fun was in the surprise, in that you just didn't know what to expect, and then it turned out to be like this awesome, over-the-top, super fun action movie. This time, of course, you're expecting the over-the-top action, so it's not like as big of a, uh, as big of a deal, but it is a lot of fun. The basic idea of this one is that Julian Moore is a drug dealer who runs a giant operation called the called the Golden Circle, and they are trying to take over the, take over the world, it's a basic take over the world kind of thing, and the Kingsmen come under fire from the Golden Circle, and this causes them to have to go to America, and to meet up with their American cousins, the Statesmen. The Statesmen are the American version of the Kingsmen, the Kingsmen are like British chaps, you know, they're very, uh, very posh and all that, and the Kingsmen are, like, prototype Americans. They live in a whiskey factory, and they are cowboys. One of them has a laser whip. Uh, Channing Tatum has, like, a repeating rifle. They're, they're pretty cool, and they are led by Jeff Bridges. I was, I was wondering, has, like, Jeff Bridges just straight up become a cowboy? I don't know, I don't know the background of Jeff Bridges, but as far as I know, he's been, like, a Hollywood lifer. I think he was... I think he was like an actor as a youth, and as far as I know, he's always lived in California. Maybe he like has a ranch or whatever, but I've always seen him as like a California dude, but now dude is like a straight up, he's like a straight up cowpoke. Let's see, the BPRD, I don't know what that movie was. Remember where they were like supernatural police, it wasn't very good. He was a cowboy in that, Hell or High Water, he's a cowboy. This, he's a cowboy. He has a movie about firefighters coming out where he's a cowboy. He had a movie where he's a country singer. It's like, dude has gone and become like a grizzled cowboy, true grit. He has, like, every time he's out there, he plays this grizzled cowboy character. And I'm not complaining. He is absolutely terrific at it. He's Jeff Bridges. He's terrific at everything. It's just, it's interesting, man. It's like all dude does. And in this, he is the leader of the statesman. He runs the whiskey factory. And he is, you know, he's terrific. He's Jeff Bridges. Julian Moore plays like a Julian Moore that I have, I have never seen before. She's like off the wall and she's kind of crazy. I want to say this for Julian Moore. The, the woman is going on, it has to be going on in her 60s and she is absolutely beautiful. She is a beautiful woman and it's just amazing to think that all these years and all these movies, she has been such a beautiful sex symbol. And she doesn't really get the credit for that, that I think she deserves. So I'm going to give it up to you. You are the, just about the most beautiful 60-year-old woman I could ever imagine. Julian Moore, we give it up to you. And I thought, I thought she was fun in this. She's kind of wacky, she's kind of weird, and like, she throws somebody into a uh, meat grinder. I don't know, I liked it. 
I liked the movie overall. I went in thinking that it might not be so fun. People were telling me it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be good. So I started thinking maybe it wouldn't be. But it turns out, turns out that it is. Let's hop on over to a good old Rotten Tomatoes and we'll see what they, the tomatoes got to say about it. The audience gives it 72. I agree with that. And the tomato meter for the critics is at a 50. It's certified rotten. I didn't know about, about that. The movie was directed by Matthew Vaughn. It is a 20th Century Fox production. It's made 39 million in its opening week. It is rated R for strong violence, drug content, and some... Some sexual material. This is not one to take your kids to. It stars Colin Firth, Taron Edgerton, Elton John is in it. Elton John's doing Kung Fu. Halle Berry, Mark Strong. It's like, it's like a star-packed movie. Channing Tatum, that dude from Narcos, who is also, he's also the guy from, uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know the name of his character. Prince Oberon? Is that what it is? He, uh, he gets his head crushed by the, uh, by the mountain. He's in it. He has the laser whip. He's, he's a lot of fun. And that's, that's what the movie is. It's a lot of fun. It's not, it's not perfect by any means. It's not as good as the first one at all, but it is, it is cool. Some of the CGI is not great. Some of the effects aren't great. The writing is not that great. There is like plot holes and stuff, but overall, it is fun. It's worth going to see if you like the first one. I mean, you'll spend like an hour and a half and you'll have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. Go on the matinee where you don't have to... You don't have to spend as much, maybe. I, myself, I enjoy it. Me and the wife, we left, we had a good time. We thought it was a lot of fun. It was cool. Uh, but I do, I do see what some of the critics are saying. It's just not on par with the first one. The first one was like a terrific breakthrough movie. And in this one, they don't like break a lot of ground, but they do, they do keep a nice even pace with the ground that they have already broke, I think. With all that said, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine Mike Meter, with one being a dud and five being an all-time hip-hop classic, I am going to give the Kingsman Golden Circle a nice, solid three Three mics. Three mics. yourself for the power of the Retro Toy Roundup, a super close-up look at the toy line from the recent or not-so-recent past, all seen through the filter of Icy Robot's cybernetic eye. It's, it's not so much an eye as much as it's a lens. It, it covers up and it allows me to, uh, allows me to look deep into the details of a toy. I can see flaws that people don't see. I can see the weakness of a toy that other people do not view. I am like, I'm like Karnak from the Inhumans, not the, not the Johnny Carson character, Karnak. I'm the one from the Inhumans that can see the, uh, see the weakness in a figure and strike that point and destroy it. I'm like Storm Shadow when he was, uh, faced with that tank and he came up and he kicked it and it fell a bit. So I'm a lot like that. So to celebrate, to celebrate the Halloween season in which we are in the middle of, I am going to take a look at a toy line that I do not know a lot about going into. I did have... I did have a few of these, but I have not examined them with the lens. We're going to do so together. It's going to be fun. The name of this toy is Universal Mini Monsters, and they came from from one of my favorite toy companies of all the times, a company known as Rimco. Rimco is a toy company that was founded in the 1940s by uh, 
Ike Heller and Saul Robbins. They were cousins. The company was based out of Newark, New Jersey. And the name Rimco stands for remote control. I have always been... I've always been a fan of Remco toys. When I look back outside of like G.I. Joe and maybe like a couple other things, the toys that really gave me the most amusement over the years were the were the Remco toys that I picked up at Kmart. It seemed like Kmart was Kmart was the home for Remco. I had the uh Mighty Crusaders. I had a bunch of those. I liked the Karate Kid. I liked Chris Star. I liked a lot of the things. Sergeant Rock. That they were doing, and the Universal Mini Monsters were one that, they were slightly before my time. They came out in 1979. I was born in 1973, so I was, I was six when they first started jumping up, which isn't like, that's not too young to get involved, but at that point, you're just playing with silly toys, and I did... I did eventually receive a few of these as a as a hand-me-down from my older cousin who lived in the in the next town over the town of Burbank and I was I was happy to integrate them into the into the Star Wars figures that I was playing with at the time the Rimco mini monsters are 3.75 inch they are on scale with the GI Joe or a or a Star Wars dude, they have five points of articulation, just like a Star Wars dude, you got the legs, left right leg, left right arm, and also the head, the head can swivel. More or less, the Remco mini monsters are, they're Star Wars figure type dudes, but they are, they are the universal monsters, the famous universal monsters that we all, we all know and love. There were six figures in the series, and we're going to take we're going to take a look at who they were. There was the creature from the Black Lagoon, the famed, the famed creature with the gills and all that cool stuff. There was Dracula. Of course, there was Dracula. Everybody loves the count. There was Frankenstein, the mummy, the werewolf, and also the Phantom of the Opera. I always forget the Phantom of the Opera when I am counting down the universal monsters in my head. I forget him. And I forget the invisible, uh, the invisible man. I don't know, I don't know why that is. I actually have a set of the reaction figures, the universal monsters that came out a few years back. And I have all of them, except for the invisible man. It's like, I forget to buy him. I don't know what the deal is. He just, he just slips my mind every single time. The, the thing that really stands out with these figures is the card art. They are, you know, on a normal size card inside of a plastic bubble in the lower right corner. But the card art features a, like a blown up picture of the character's face. You know, you get Bella Lugosi, you get all that cool, uh, just the images, the great pictures, the scary pictures of Lon Chaney, you know, it's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. The first series has them on a, on a plain background, and then this is behind the bubble I'm talking about. They have the picture of the monster face, and it has the bubble with a plain color, but then they had later versions that have sort of like an explosion around the bubble, and those are, those are gorgeous too. The figures were also released with a glow-in-the-dark variant. I don't think you called it a variant at the time. I think it was just... I think it was just a whole nother range of figures, though. Let's say it like this. The figures were also released as glow-in-the-dark versions, which is, which is just fantastic. As a kid, I would, I would covet anything that was glow-in-the-dark so hard. I swear to you, anything that was glow-in-the-dark was, 
that was like automatically going to go to the top of my of my favorite toys and things. I had this I had this glow in the dark Captain Crunch skeleton. It wasn't it wasn't the skeleton of Captain Crunch. I got it. It was like a pirate skeleton I got from a box of Captain Crunch and I had this I had this for years. It was one of my one of my favorite things that I've ever ever had and it was just because I could I could like charge it up on my lamp and then play with it in my room after after lights out. It was just so great. I did not have any of the glow in the dark versions of the of the universal monsters, but man, I wish that I did. I think that the glow in the dark creature from the black lagoon is just a beautiful figure. Hop online and look that up. It's just gorgeous. Also like a glow in the dark Frankenstein is a uh, an amazing thing to think about. Imagine a version of Frankenstein that gets like irradiated in some kind of an accident and this leads to him becoming like a glow in the dark shambling creep going through the towns. Just just such a great idea. You can't go wrong with glow in the dark and on the card art for the glow in the dark versions it also it had like a, a stamp, like a, you know how you get like a seal of approval, it's gold with like all these little spikes coming out like a, sort of like the sun, like if you're drawing the sun, but with more, more sun spikes, and they would have that up on the card and it said glow in the dark, making you, making you realize that this is just an extra special version. What was, what was really the crown jewel in this set was the, was the carrying case. This thing is an amazing, amazing piece of toy art. I recall that my cousin over in Burbank, that he had this, and that I was, I was mad jealous, because it's just, it's just beauteous. It was, it was a carrying case for the figures. They would all fit inside, because, you know, there's not that many of them. There's like six. You kind of jam them into various hiding holes, but it was, it was more of a playset as well. It, it was a dungeon, and it would fold open. It was something you could carry with, with a handle, and then you could sit it and open it up, and on one side, there was art of a, of a dungeon. There's a door, there's like a shelf with all kinds of beakers and skulls and weird stuff like that. And then in the front, out of molded plastic, there is, there's kind of like a bed that you can strap a figure down to and it would, it would revolve and the figure would appear to be disappearing. And then on the other side, there was a coffin that you could put, you could put Dracula inside of. The, the bed was just, it was just so ill to me. I remember thinking like, as a kid, I like to think about I like to think about creepy stuff because let's let's be honest, creepy stuff is alluring. And as we grow older, we kind of get out of the idea of thinking about weird stuff, like for the most part. But when you're young, weird stuff is like a new idea. And this bed was just like the weirdest thing to me. I'm like, that's like a torture bed. That's like some kind of a torturer's den. That's so weird. That's so crazy. And... I always wanted to, like, strap my G.I. Joes down into it and, uh, make them disappear. When I said G.I. Joes, I actually meant my Star Wars dudes. I always wanted to strap my Star Wars dudes into this bed, and it was just, like, the illest. I thought of these weird ideas of, like, Han Solo gets captured and, like, Darth Vader comes in and pokes at him with his lightsaber. That kind of stuff is just so, so weird and creepy and alluring all at the same time, and... I don't know, man, that torture bed in the thing was just the weirdest, and even, like, today, one of the weirdest not, uh, Todd, uh, McFarlane-style 
accessories I've ever seen. Just like crazy, creepy, cool stuff. Shout out to Doug McCoy. I I was so into that and my cousin had it and I didn't have it. And the the jealousy, the jealousy was just off the chain. I I still want it, but if you go over on eBay and you look around for this stuff, it's so neat and so well designed that people still covet it today. And the Rimco toys, to some degree, feel more obscure to me than, say, the Hasbro or the Mattel toys. I I imagine that is so. Rimco was just never the company that these other two were. I remember only ever seeing the Rimco stuff over at Kmart. I do recall that in later years, I saw, like, Eagle Force. I remember getting some Eagle Force stuff at Toys R Us, but the Sergeant Rock and the Mighty Crusaders and all that stuff, it seemed as if it was exclusively at Kmart. I don't know if that's true, but that is what my memory holds. So, even today, you don't see a lot of these, a lot of these mini monsters when you're out and about. What you do see is the later fast food style re-releases of these figures. They're not re-releases, but they are almost exactly like the same ones from back in the day. And you see these all the time. And every single time I see one of these, I grab it thinking, maybe that's a Remco mini monster, but it never is. I pick it up. I look at it, and it always says Burger King. It never says Remco, 1979. But someday, you just wait. Someday, I'm going to pick one of these up, and it's going to be the creature from the Black Lagoon, Remco, Glow in the Dark, 1979. And it's going it's gonna to all be worth it. It is worth it when you find what you're looking for anyway. It's always, it's always worth the hunt. These guys are just such a neat toy line. I wish that, I wish that I had them all. But like I said, they are a bit pricey. They are out of... Out of your boy's range. Let's let's right now hop on over to good old good old eBay, the world's biggest marketplace, and we will got mail. take a look at some of some of the sold listings just to just to give us an idea what people are people are paying for these nowadays. Uh, that's the best gauge, I think. I think the actual best gauge of what somebody actively wants to pay is an auction. I think that if you go all the way through the auction, you see what people are really willing to give up. And a lot of times it's a lot lower than you think. Let's see. Somebody here has a lot of five of them. They got the Creature, Frankenstein, Drac, Wolfie, and the Phantom. And that went for 46 bucks. That was 15 bids with 350 shipping. So that works out to not really being all that much. Maybe... Like a smudge over 10 bucks or so per figure. More than a smudge. But that might have been a good deal. Because as I'm scrolling down. The the figures individually go for a bit more than that. As I understand it. The Wolfman is the one that is hard to come across. And I see the Wolfman going for like 25 bucks. Here somebody has. They just sold the creature. The creature alone for 25 bucks. Here is. Here's a carded. Carded Frankenstein. That went for 85 bucks. That's not too bad. That is, that's more than I want to spend for something, but it's not like it's outside the realm of reality. Here somebody is getting 20 bucks for a Dracula. Here is a, here's a Carded Frankenstein for 29 bucks. You know, they might not have been as expensive 
as I thought they were. In my mind, they were very pricey. Here is a carded creature, a glow-in-the-dark creature. If I had to pick one to me to be the crown jewel of all the figures, I think it is the glow-in-the-dark creature. Just so beautiful. That was... Somebody wanted 119, but they accepted the best offer. So you don't get to see what that offer was. Let's see what the what the carrying case goes for. Let's uh let's type in that word carrying case and we will find out that it's actually called the playset. I I always call it the carrying case, but it's a it's a playset. Here somebody got one for $36. Not anywhere near as much as I thought they was. While I'm, while I'm looking at these pictures of the play case, that's the, that's the proper name. It's the Remco Mini Monsters play case. There is, there's also another, another feature. I can see over on the other side, it's like a cage and you could, you can put a figure inside of that much like Dracula's coffin. I bet you I bet you that you are supposed to put the creature from the Black Lagoon, Trap That Fool, underneath there. There is, there's also a whole nother accessory that I am just now discovering as I am poking around. It's called the, it's called the Monsterizer, and it is, it is like a table with some sort of scientific equipment next to it. And you could put the figure on to the table, and then a cage goes over the top of him. And I guess, I guess that is... For turning him into a monster, maybe it's for, maybe it's for like a Frankenstein, like you would go in there and put a Frankenstein and then zap him and he comes to life. Something of that sort would be, would be my guess. This is, this is a beautiful toy. This monsterizer is so great. I would just love to have it. You could imagine all kinds of scary things where like the Baroness and Destro have Duke trapped inside of the monsterizer and they're like threatening to give him a zap. It's just... So great, so creepy, so weird. Overall, I think that this is just a great line. Very small, but every every piece in it is worthwhile. The playcase is the playcase is amazing, and I am I'm gonna get me one sooner or later. The figures are great. The glow in the dark variants or range are also great. The monsterizer is an awesome, awesome toy. This is one of one of the best I've seen on the scale that it is. You only get like, let's say, 15 pieces or so in total. And each one, 14? I think it might be 14. 14 pieces in total. And each one is, each one is worth exploring. If I would have, if I would have had these back when I was in Oak Lawn, I can imagine like Dracula and the creature and Frankenstein joining up with joining up with Darth Vader and all those guys. If I had them later in life, I could imagine like Dracula joins Cobra and maybe, maybe Frankenstein joins G.I. Joe because he did always seem like more of a kind-hearted beast than, than he was a monster. But I don't know, maybe that's just, maybe that's just my perspective. But there it is, guys. This is more or less everything you want to know about the 3.75 inch Remco Universal Monsters. It may be, Maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less than you wanted to know. I know not. I hope, I hope you're satisfied because I, I did my best. I had a good time. I did my best. Let's move on to the final segment of the show. Check one, two. The return of the boom bat means just that. It means the return of the real hard beats and toy chat. 
Another silly sucker want his champion belt But like a microwave these days he make him melt He never crossed over, never went pop You know ISR will give you real toy talk You've made it this far, it's time The final segment The IC Robot Radio Pop Culture Slash Toy News Slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment all right, we are back for what is the final segment of the show. This is the snips and ends. This is the thing that you get from the butcher shop, that packet of, like, sausage ends that you can you can feed your dog. This is, like, the scraps. The leftover stuff, the stuff I'm watching, maybe some stuff I bought, maybe some stuff I read. I don't know. Let's let's get going. The, the number one thing on my mind as far as this goes is the new Star Trek show, Star Trek Discovery, on the, on the CBS streaming app. If you are... If you're going to go and you're going to get the Star Trek streaming app, it's $5.99 a month. And I would go through the logbook.com. That's the, uh, that's the great Earl Green's site. And he's hooking up with them to get a cut of the wealth. So go over there and go over there and get it through him. Dude's a great guy. Puts on great shows. He is a, he's a sci-fi TV expert. This guy, I dig listening to him. Anyway, let's, let's get back to Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery is set... It's set before Star Trek, the original series, and it stars Sadiqa Martin-Green, who you might know as Sasha from The Walking Dead, or maybe Rhonda from New Girl. She is a human that was raised on Vulcan by Vulcans. Her name is Michael Burnham, and that's dope right there. I like it when a girl has a guy's first name. The name Michael is just, it's awesome for a girl. It really makes her stand out as a character. She is... She's a Vulcan who is in Starfleet. Well, she was raised by Vulcans. She's a human. She acts Vulcan. She's like, she's like Spock, but without the, without the Vulcan blood, if you dig what I'm saying. She's, she's cool, man. She's a good character, and I am, I'm really digging the show. I have, as of right now, seen three episodes. I've seen the first three. The first two are, they're like a pilot, sort of a, a pilot movie as it were. They they play and they set up everything that's going to come. The true story follows and starts in episode three. That's when you get like the week-to-week plot of what it's going to be like for Michael Burnham. And I will say that I am, I'm enjoying this. I mean, first off, I'm ecstatic that there is something Star Trek that's new on my TV. I think that it, I think that it should be on the TV. And I read somewhere that this was like, the first two, I think, were the most torrented TV episodes in history. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's real or I don't know if that's hyperbole, but what it shows me is that people want to watch it, but they may not necessarily want to pay the uh, $5.99 a month. It's weird. I dig what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to subscribe to their service, but this has to be, like, far and away the most expensive show on the CBS roster. The show... Looks beautiful. The CGI is great. The aliens look terrific. You will never have seen aliens that look this good on your uh, TV before. Like, over, you know, week-to-week broadcast style. I realize it's streaming, but it's put on by a broadcast network. There's never been, there's never been aliens this good. Everything on it is just so top-notch. And if it were me, I would have it out there where you can get the most eyes on it. But hey, I dig what they're doing. I don't run a network. Well, you know what? I do run a network, and I do put all my shows out there just for you guys to check out. There is a little bit of, like, patron content, but it's nothing, nothing that you can't do without, rather. And Star Trek is like, 
that's something you can't do without. That's putting that's putting something big outside the reach of the uh, people that are out there by and large. I want to talk about the show fully, but I realize that not everybody has seen it yet, and that some people are going to wait for it to come out on DVD. Some people are going to sit and wait in hopes that, like, eventually it just makes it to CBS itself, and I would not be surprised to see something like that happen in in the long run, but the plot is that they are going to war with the Klingons. There are mad Klingons up in this, and that Michael Burnham is, she's going to be working on a ship that is trying to develop some secret technology to use against against the Klingons. I really, really liked the Klingons in this. They don't look like any Klingons that you've seen before. They are definitely reminiscent of appearances you've seen before. You'll know that they're Klingons right from the jump, but they don't look like Worf, and they don't look like uh, Christopher Lloyd or anything like that, but they are, they're Klingons, and one thing that they do that I like a lot is the uh, dialogue is in Klingon with subtitles underneath. I think that when you hear them, in their native language, it's a lot easier to take them seriously as a threat rather than when you hear a bunch of dudes with, like, rubber headpieces screaming about Kalis. It just, it gives them, like, like a certain gravitas that, uh, they didn't have before. It sets them up as a very dangerous adversary. They do some interesting things in this with with their dead. Overall, I am digging this. I watch it as soon as it comes out. I'm very, very much into it. Another show that I am into that I cannot recommend high enough is Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. It's in, it's in its final season right now. I believe you can catch the early seasons on Netflix if you, if you have that. It is, at first it's set in the 80s and then it moves into the 90s and it's about, it's about these characters in the world of computing. At first, they are trying to make the best, like, portable computer, and then it moves into this point now where they are trying to create a search engine in the 90s. And if you have, if you like vintage computing, if you grew up with bulletin boards and all that stuff, you you will love this show just on the fact that there are scenes where they're using Commodore 64s and they're talking about Commodores and they're playing Atari and then they're playing the NES. It's just, it's so great, but on just the level of being a show, it's well-written, well-acted, beautifully shot, and the characters in the show, after a while, they like, they're so well-acted and they're so well-written that they like, you really come to care about these people. There is... Mackenzie Davis as Cameron Howe. She's like the spunky computer coding genius gal who's way ahead of her time and she works for Atari. She wrote this game called Space Bike for Atari that's considered ahead of its time and she writes a new game that's getting bad reviews because it just, it seems like it's ahead of its time. That's the kind of things the show has as plot points about somebody writing a game for Atari. It's just, it's so great. It's in its final season. I believe it's gearing up for the final episode soon, and I cannot recommend this high enough. Go go on Netflix. Watch the first few episodes. You will fall in love with this. I think, I think this might be one of the best shows of all time. I enjoy it so much. I feel like these characters are just so near and dear to my heart that... It's like a special show. It's like a special experience. And I cannot, I cannot recommend it high enough. If there was 
a five mic TV Hall of Fame, I would be putting a Halt and Catch Fire in that. And you know how highly I regard a five mic rating. That's what I would be giving this show if I could. I guess I can't. I do. Five mics. Five mics for Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to mention this. This should have been part of the last segment about the uh, about the Rimco Mini Monsters. Since the finish of that, well, since when, like, I finished that up, and now I did I did a bit of poking around about the uh, Monsterizer that I mentioned at the end, and from what I can see and from what I read online and on eBay or, or whatever, this is, like, one of the... One of the rarest toys of all the times. It came as like a uh, JCPenney catalog exclusive. And that as far as I saw, there was like one on eBay and the guy wanted 1300 bucks for it. And in his, in his description, he went on and on about how, about how rare it was. And it may very well be because there was like one other one on all of, all of eBay. And this is like the world. There was only one other one and this was missing pieces. And the guy wanted, he wanted like $500 for it. That's crazy money for a toy that's out of a box. I don't know if it came with a box or if it came with like a JCPenney mailer. The one that was like 1300 bucks the guy had it graded you know he had it put into like one of those one of those acrylic cubes and inside the cube was the was the JC Penny mailer i don't know if it had like a uh, a box with graphics on it but that's that's pretty cool one day i'm just going to be like walking through the flea market and i'm going to go hey look there it is there's the monsterizer i'm going to find it i can feel it i can feel it in my bones now that i know it exists that will never happen i just i don't even know why i said that i was just in my head, I was picturing what it would be like to be, like, walking through good old, good old Mojo Sales flea market at the uh, Santa Rosa Vets building, and I look over, and there's the Rimco Monsterizer. I guess it could happen. I mean, I'm out there. I'm out there hanging and clanging, so it could happen. It could happen anytime. I don't think it will, but it might. You never know. Weirder things have happened, have they? Maybe somewhere. I I got a toy. I don't know if I mentioned this at the episode on the uh, Santa Rosa Toy Con. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I bought a I bought a Charlotte Flair action figure. It's a WWE action figure. I watch WWE. I don't I don't like it very much, but I watch it out of habit every week. I don't think it's I don't think it's that great, but I've always watched wrestling, so I continue to watch wrestling. And this uh, this gal, Charlotte Flair, is one of the shining lights of what is otherwise a dim universe. She is the daughter of the one of the argu- arguably greatest wrestlers of all time. Well, it's not arguable that he's one of the greatest. I meant to say that. He is arguably the greatest wrestler of all time, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. She is, she's his daughter, and I've always, I've always been a fan of, like, female versions of stuff. I like Spider-Woman, I like She-Hulk, I like, I like all that stuff, Supergirl, and check it out, Charlotte Flair is, like, the female version of Ric Flair. She's like, what would you call her, uh, She-Flair? I don't know. You, uh, hit me up. Hit me up with some tweets at IC Robots and tell me what, uh, what would be her superhero name? That's dumb. You don't have to do it. But I got this, I got this at the toy show. I do look around the wrestling figures. My, my main dude, Gino Vega, who you know from the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, he's always asking me to, like, 
look for these weird wrestling figures for him. He wanted, like, a Roman Reigns gauntlet for his arm. I don't know. It's not weird. Everybody likes different things. He likes he likes wrestling toys and dolls, and I'm always out there, uh, you know, just, like, looking to see if I can see anything he might like, and I, I'm always checking, and I think to myself, like, I never see Charlotte Flair. I never see Charlotte Flair. The one... The one that I like, and then when I did it at the toy show, I bought it, and I wasn't really, like, expecting much from a toy standpoint, but I I popped it open the other day, and I was, I was pretty impressed. She has a lot of articulation. She bends it, like, the ankles, the knees, the elbows, the shoulders, the wrist around the waist, and then right under, right above her torso, she has, like, a uh, ab crunch, which I, which I like a lot. It enables, uh, you know, like, more detailed wrestling moves. You know, this is like a far cry from those rubber LJN dudes that I grew up on. This is like, this is a high quality figure. It's like up there with a Marvel legend as far as like the, uh, the details and stuff. She's really great looking. It looks like Charlotte Flair and you can pose her in all sorts of weird ways. I put her up on a, I put her on my Marvel legend shelf. I wish that the, I wish that the WWE had more characters that I wanted figures of because I was completely impressed with this. I didn't think that it would be as good as it would be, and it is, it is great. So let's see, I'm looking at my note card. Got a Star Trek, Halton Catch Fire, we did that. I said Hacksaw Jim Buggin earlier. I got my Charlotte uh, Flair doll, the Monsterizer. I think, I think we've hit on just about everything that we want to hit on. This, uh, this past week over on IC Robots Radio was like our most prolific week in history. We had a show from Carlos. We had a show from me, and then we had a show from me and Zerb, and then we got a terrific episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast where he talked about what he thought Mr. T was like before he actually saw Mr. T. I thought that was, I thought that was really great. I was just so happy. We had like a show every single day. It's unheard of. I was on top of the world. So you can find all that good stuff. That's at icrobots.com. You can, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That is at icrobots, I-S-E-E robots, as if as if I'm looking at them, we could always, we could always use a patron support. That is at supportthereport.com, where for as low as like a dollar a month, you can help keep the uh, life support. It's the good old, good old Jupiter moon base. You would think the Commodore would pay for that, but he doesn't. What are you going to do? Uh, we will be back next week with more October fun. I'm really looking forward to this episode. It is going to be... It's going to be a top five. Everybody loves top five. I love to make them. You like to talk about them. You like to listen to them. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. What I am going to do is I am going to rank the universal monsters in order from five being the worst, one being the best. It's going to be a hoot, man. Make sure to, make sure to tune in for that. I mean, what else are you doing on a Wednesday besides listening to the good old T-R-U-R-P-T, the Toys Are Us Report so for me, for Iceberg, for Emily, for everybody out there on the Jupiter moon base who's fighting those moon rats. Oh, Iceberg asked me to mention this. He's been he's been tweeting a lot lately, and he wants you guys to go over there and follow him. You can find him at Jupiter's Iceberg. That is, you know, he belongs to the planet Jupiter, and he's Iceberg. Jupiter's Iceberg on Twitter. Go, go give him a follow for some. For some mean-spirited thought, dude's not the uh, not the nicest robot I've ever met. But you know, he's my pal. So come back next Wednesday for top five Universal monsters of all time. This is me, IC Robot, signing off for uh, 
Toys R Us Report, episode number 132. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, that's right. This jam is rated Cold Medina, man. That's right, Cold Medina. We're in EFFECT, otherwise known as Effect. Know what I'm saying? This has been an IC Robots Radio production.